Okay, are we ready to study again? Uh, we're going to continue our study from the book of Acts. Uh, so turn your Bible to Acts 20. As we have uh, committed uh, our church, we're going to go chapter by chapter until from Genesis to Revelations. You know, we have finished a couple of books and we are in the journey of finishing uh, the book of Acts and we are in Acts 20. So take out your notes, take out your Bible. Don't fall asleep. Okay, it is this morning. It's time for us to be renewed to continue our study. Now, before we get into Acts 20, I want to recap a bit what's going on in Acts 19. We talk about Paul's third missionary journey in Acts 19. Okay, and we ended with his journey in Ephesus. Okay, with the Ephesians. Okay, the church in Ephesus. And we know that in Ephesus, kind of like the end of the journey, there, there was a riot. Paul has been speaking that handmade gods are not gods at all. Okay, but in Ephesus, the gods that they worship is the god of Artemis. Right? We know this riot was led by Demetrius. Okay, he was very wealthy in his business making silver shrines for the god of Artemis. You know, for the little temples that people have at home, you know, from silver. So he's grown very wealthy. So not just Demetrius, but all the silversmith has gone very wealthy. But because Paul was so influential in his speaking that handmade gods are not gods at all, you know, they've been losing business because they've been following Paul. They've been listening to this Christianity. Who is this Jesus? That it is not, he is not a handmade God. So that was... Uh, the uh, the riot that that was happening in Ephesus, and again, because last week I cannot show you the picture, I want to show you the picture of the Artemis statue statue that they worship. You can see right here, it's a multi-breasted woman because they believe that uh, out of this breast, women's breast, they give lives, and this is the statue that they worship that they have at their homes. This is their god in Ephesus. And not only the statues, but I want to show you the, se ancient, the seven, ancient seven wonders of the world. One of them is the Temple of Artemis. And I have the picture right here as well that I want to show you. This is the seven ancient wonders. So if you Google, it's, it's different than our seven wonders of the world right now. But the ancients, they have their seven wonders. This has been built for about three to four times and continues to be destroyed. And even till to this day, the temple of Artemis, the ruins, they still amazes people. And if you can see the pillars right there, they're made out of marble. Okay, they're all marble, stone. It was very, very amazing. Up until this day, uh, the ruins have amazed uh, people. So that was the uh, temple back then in Ephesus. And Paul, imagine, you know, Paul was there. Paul was speaking against this big influence um, and people have been following to uh, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was happening in Acts 19. And we also talk about the church of Ephesus, right? Paul was speaking to the church of Ephesus, uh, instructing them. And as we shall see again in Acts 20, he will continue to instruct this, uh, uh, the leaders of the church. But we know today the church of Ephesus was gone. The church of Ephesus is no more. All right, so let's go to Acts 20. So that was 19, now 20. We will read verse 1 to 6 first, okay? 
Paul goes to Macedonia and Greece. When the uproar was over, this is talking about the uproar, the riot in Acts 19. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. Several men were traveling with him. They were Sopater, son of uh, Piraeus from Be uh, Berea, uh, Aristarchus, Secundus from Thessalonica, Agaeus from Derby, Timothy, Antisicus, and Trophimus uh, from the province of Asia. They went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. After the Passover ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later joined them in Troas, where we stayed for a week. So this is Paul. The uproar was over in Ephesus. He now is going to Macedonia and Greece. Okay? He stayed in Macedonia for about three months. Okay? And in this story, we know that when he was about to go to Troas, or no, no to, to Syria, he heard a plot by some of the Jews that he is going to be killed. Okay? Maybe some of the Jews you know, are planning to board the, sh the same ship and probably throw uh, Paul into the sea so then nobody is going to know and there goes Paul's life. You know, they really want to stop Paul from going into Syria, from continuing uh, uh, to, to preach the gospel. And Paul heard this. Okay, That was in verse 3. It says where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered, so he heard it. He discovered a plot by some of the Jews against his life, so he decided to return to Macedonia. Even though Paul was such a brave man, okay, even though Paul was such a courageous person, we know at that time, during the riot, about 20,000 people in the amphitheater, Paul was about to go into the amphitheater and to preach the gospel again. But the, 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 uh, uh, the fellow ministers back, Paul, Paul, don't go in, man. If you go in, you're just going to die. They're just going to you know, stone you or whatever. You know, so Paul, uh, we know that Paul is such a courageous man, right? Such a, such a brave uh, man. But then God gives us a brain to be wise in making decisions. Okay, so we do not deliberately put our lives in open danger. Paul knew about the plan, about the plot by some of the Jews that he was going to be killed if he boarded a ship to go to Syria. You know, again, even though he's such a courageous or brave man, we also have a brain that was given by God. If you know that somebody is going to kill you, should you continue to go? No. So Paul right here is being wise. He did not put deliberately his life in open danger. So he avoided it. So he rerouted himself uh, boarded the ship back uh, 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 to, through Macedonia, and then he boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia to join his fellow ministers to go to Troas. Okay, so he's done in Ephesus. Now he is in Macedonia for three months. He's done in, in Macedonia for three months. Heard a plot, so he canceled his trip to Syria. Now he's joining his ministers, other ministers to Troas. Now let's see what's happening in Troas, verse seven to twelve. 7 to 12, Paul's final visit to Troas. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where, 
uh, where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. Now, uh, you know, sometimes we wonder, like, many flickering lamps, you know, one, one flicker lamp, so we're just going to change it right away. No, but you have to know their lamps at that time were torches. Okay, that's why it's flickering. So where, where it was lighted with many flickering lamps. Verse 9, as Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Maybe it's, uh, you know, not, not too much uh, oxygen because of the torches and speaking, you know, and flickering. So became very drowsy, this man. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Verse 10, Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. And he said, don't worry, he's alive. 11, then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Let's talk about this miracle in Troas. Okay? So Paul stayed there for only a week, we know. On the last day, Paul was talking, taking his chance to preach the gospel, to preach to these people as he was going to leave the next day. So he spoke up until midnight, but someone falling asleep. I talk right here about 11 minutes and now someone's already falling asleep. <laughs> Paul was talking right here up until midnight. I think by in it's I think this is kind of like a hidden miracle as well. How can they stay, you know, you know, not asleep until midnight? And not just talking about midnight. Okay? And someone's already falling asleep when I, you know. <laughs> so don't fall asleep. Make sure you you're 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 ready to hear. You know, and the guy's name here was Eutychus. He was sitting by the windowsill. So be careful right there if you're sitting by the window, okay? I know that you're not going to fall out, but if you fall asleep, I'm going to throw you out of the window. <laughs> but this man, Eutychus, you know, he was probably, you know, uh, not having enough oxygen. You know, he fell asleep and he fell from the third floor and he was dead. It was clear that the Bible says he was dead. But Paul went down to him, and God used Paul to raise Eutychus back to life. But I want you to pay attention right here. I think this is amazing. I'm going to read verse 10 again. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said, he's alive. You know, so probably uh, a lot of other people, you know, went back down with him. And then he said, don't worry, he's alive. Now, I want you to pay attention to uh, the language of a godly man right here. Uh, the language of a man of God. Paul might have secretly prayed for Eutychus. Right? Eutychus was dead. If not, the Bible will not record that he was dead. You know, if it's, if it's just like, you know, uh, a couple seconds dead or something like that. No. The Bible recorded that he was dead. So, maybe in, in, in those minutes, I believe, you know, when Paul took Eutychus into his arms... You know, he might have prayed, uh, secretly prayed for Eutychus and then raised him back to life. But Paul did not make a show out of it. Paul didn't say, oh, thank God I raised him back to life in the name of the power of Jesus Christ. He did not say that. He followed his role model, Jesus Christ. Do you remember when Jesus Christ raised a woman back to life? What did Jesus say? You know, everybody was wailing outside. They were like, oh, you're too late, Jesus. The woman's already dead. You know, if you, know, if you could just come over here. And then Jesus said this, don't worry. He was just, as she was just asleep. Everybody was laughing at Jesus. 
everybody was laughing, but Jesus went inside, and then, she, uh, and then he raised the woman, come back to life. And then she was alive. And he did not make a show out of it. Jesus did not make a show out of it. You know, he was very humble, the language of a humble minister of God. And Paul was following his role model, Jesus Christ, by saying, don't worry, he's alive. And then he just uh, went, back, went back up. I'm not going to say names, but unlike some well-known televangelists we might know. You know, I'm going to tell you a true story. During one of his revival service, someone collapsed there during the revival service. Ambulance came, uh, you know, uh, to the help and bring this collapsed man to the ambulance. And the evangelist said this, don't worry, God told me that he is going to be alive. Everybody was in uproar. Yeah. Of course, you know, we want the, the guy to be alive. But you know what happened? The guy passed away in the ambulance. So which God that told this guy that the, the, the man in the ambulance have to be alive? We like to make a show out of, you know, the miracles that, we, that God used us to do. But I think we can learn from this morning the language of a man of God. You know, we're nothing without God. You know, he was so humble. He said, don't worry. He's alive. You know, I miss my grandpa so much. He lives in Indonesia. Uh, he couldn't even come, you know, to my wedding because of the old age and stuff like that. I wish, you know, he could, he could come and he could see you guys and he gets to know the church here. Um, God uses him mightily. I'm just going to uh, 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 share some, you know, cancers being healed when he prayed for people, wombs being opened, you know, uh, a lot of couples came to my grandpa saying, oh, can we pray together? You know, my, my wife can't um, have children and then wombs being opened right after, you know, pray, praying with him. Casted out so many evil spirits, so I, uh, I kid you not, I hear so many uh, stories where he got bothered by the evil spirits, you know. And I used to wonder, I, I asked these questions to, you know, I don't know if Paul remembers, but I think to Paul, to Pasifalim, to, to my wife, to Unita, I was like, how come God did not use my grandpa or put my grandpa in such a big uh, platform? He could be like those famous televangelists if only people would know the miracles that they experience, but not, not un, until today. You know, he was just faithful, staying in his, you know, a very small house. Every time, once a year, there's a flood in Indo. His house will got flooded. You know, his, his car got flooded, uh, breaks everything. And again, God always, you know, renews uh, somebody's, you know, coming over and get his new car and stuff like that. But he couldn't really drive anymore right now. But I used to wonder, how come? You know, he's not as big as the televangelist that we can see over here. But now I know, being big means nothing. Being big means nothing if we only get arrogant, if we only come up with all the sensations that it's not even coming from God, it means nothing. You know, so my prayer today for all ministers that, you know, if I, for me, myself, if I could just be like my grandpa, like Paul, like Jesus, to be humble men of God. So for us ministers, you know, be aim to be humble like Jesus Christ. And after that, what happened? After Eutychus was back to life, verse 11, let's read it again. I think this is pretty funny. Then they all went back upstairs. Again, they eat again. <laughs> They're probably hungry, shared in the Lord's Supper. Okay, Lord's Supper, don't imagine it like us, you know, it's like, oh, you know, uh, raise the uh, uh, wine, raise the bread. No, it was like literally supper. It was really a good uh, breaking bread, you know, eating together with prayer, you know, so they ate together. And Paul continued talking to them until 
morning until dawn and the, and he left so literally they were up all night he wasn't taking a rest he was preaching and preaching and preaching again a hidden miracle right here that everyone stays awake up until the end before paul left for uh some other places uh, verse 12 meanwhile the young man was taken home alive and well and everyone was greatly relieved god's name be glorified so it was crazy, you know, they went up, they preached again, and uh, finally they, they parted. So they, they enjoy their preaching and they enjoy their fellowship. Continue to verse 13 to 17. What's happening right here? Um, okay, verse 13 to 17, let's read it. Paul went by land to Assos, where he had arranged for us to join him. While, while we traveled by ship. So the fellow ministers, everyone traveled by ship, and he went on foot by land. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene, uh, 15. The next day, we sailed past the island of Chios. Uh, the following day, we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later, we arrived at Miletus. Uh, Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was worrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time of the festival of Pentecost, 17. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church in Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. So here in verse 13, we know that the, the fellow ministers is taking ship to uh, travel to Assos, and Paul went by land. Uh, you have to know the distance to Assos from Troas is probably 30, mile, 30 miles by ship and 20 miles by land. So we knew that Paul chooses to go by land. He probably want to spend an alone time after the Holy Spirit reminds him of the hardships that, will, that, will, that he needs to go through in Jerusalem. As we read in Acts 20 later, you will, you will see that Paul knew already what's awaiting him in Jerusalem. He wants to join the festival Yes, but then trials and all kinds of, of hardships is going to, you know, um, come to him. And then he wants to have a quiet time. So he walked about 20 miles to Assos by land. What we can learn from here is that when we have problems, when we know that, you know, trials or hardships are going to come, you know, oh, in this next chapter of my life, it's going to be hard. What are we doing? You know, do we give up on our alone time with God? You know, we can learn from Paul. He chose to have this alone time. Whenever he's feeling hard, you know, he's feeling heavy, he wants to have an alone time with God. And as we can see in verse 16 to 17, he wants to go to Ephesus, but he doesn't have time. He wants to join the festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem, but he's like, you know what? I got to speak one more time to the church of Ephesus, to the leaders of Ephesus. So he sent messengers and he, he told the, the leaders of the Ephesians church to come and meet him in Miletus. So from, Ephesians, from Ephesus to Miletus, it's about 28 miles. So I think it's very doable. So the leaders come and meet Paul. Now this next chapter, um, this next part of the chapter from 18 to 38 until the end, we will see how he instructs the leaders of Ephesus uh, church. Okay, And we can learn together uh, for, our, for, for our lives um, today okay let's continue reading instru the instructions verse 18 to 21 when they arrived he declared you know that from the day i set foot in the province of asia until now 
I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul started to describe to them how he did his ministry. He has served the Lord, he says, with humility and with many tears. There are many times in the ministry where we feel some kind of position, right? We feel some kind of, you know what, people have to honor me. You know, I'm the leader of this department. Man, nobody wants to listen to me. You know, we are, hey, don't we forget. You know, we got to lead with humility, just like Paul. He leads with humility, and he never uh, uh, asked people to honor me, you know, honor me, pay me, or whatever it is. And he said, with many tears. Not just that he is humble, but then he served with many tears. That, that, that is a lot of trials, a lot of hardships. You know, people want to kill him, shipwrecked, and all that kind of stuff. But he showed to the Ephesians elders, yet I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. As ministers of Christ, we all are ministers of Christ. Have we shrank back to tell other people about the counsel of God? I'm afraid. You know, I think I'm going to stop right here. I think I can't continue my journey. A little trials, a little hardships. Only one tears from your eyes and we, you know, back off. You know, with many tears, Paul said. With humility. So don't assume any kind of positions. Whatever positions that I have here in this church, I do not care. Because I just want to love you. I just want to love God. I want to be a faithful servant of God until the end of my life. Verse 22 to 24, continue the instruction. And now I am bound by the Spirit. This is what I'm talking about, about Jerusalem. And now I'm bound by the Spirit, he says, to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Again, we have talked about why didn't Paul avoid sufferings like this, right? He avoided open dangers, but he did not avoid sufferings. There's a difference with, uh, with avoiding open dangers and avoiding sufferings. So many of us, sometimes we get it flipped, you know. Open dangers, like, ah, it's okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join, you know, in this wild parties. You know, we know that it was an open dangers for our spiritual life. We don't want to avoid it. But we avoid sufferings by following Christ. Oh, if I pray for my family, they're going to mock me. Oh, if I, if I continue to go to church, you know, they're going to tell me I'm, you know, feels like a spiritual uh, whatever, you know. And we avoid sufferings, but not with Paul. There's a difference with avoiding sufferings and avoiding open dangers. God gave us a brain to not deliberately put our lives in open danger, but God wants us to be courageous. Indeed, He equipped us to be prepared for sufferings for his sake. You know, he equipped us to go into the sufferings for his name. To Paul, none of these things moved him from his purpose. The threat of suffering does not better, uh, bother him at all. Paul was not afraid of death. 
this kind of death, okay? Not open dangers, not using, you know, you know, not being wise or anything. No, he, was, he wasn't afraid of death for the unknown that is to come. Okay, that's why he said, I don't know what awaits me, but what I know from city after city, there was uproar, there's people want to kill me. I don't know what did I do. <laughs> so, and he said his purpose is to preach the wonderful grace of God. Let's talk about a little bit about the grace of God right here. There's a, you got to know the difference uh, between justice, mercy, and grace. Okay, so many times I talk about this, I want to remind you again. What is justice? Can anybody shout it out? What is justice? If you remember. Okay? Justice is getting what you deserve. Right? If you steal, oh, justice needs to be served. What do you deserve? Maybe fine, maybe jails or whatever. Right? Community service. That's justice, getting what you deserve. And we love to pray for justice for other people. All right? And Lord, I pray. You know, I pray for my scammer. You know, I really work hard though when I got scammed about two and a half or three years ago. I pray. I was like, Lord, justice. I want justice. You know, I can't stand upon injustice. That guy has to be in prison. You know, I don't care about my money. I'm not looking for my money back, but that guy needs to stop. We love to pray for justice for other people. But when it comes to ourselves, we like to pray for mercy. Right? Mercy is what? Not getting what you deserve. Oh, we love to pray for us. Lord, have mercy on me. And we don't like to pray for mercy for other people. I don't want to pray for mercy for other people. No, not, not for my scammer. What it, so justice, getting what you deserve, mercy is not getting what you deserve. What is grace? Grace is receiving blessings and glory that you don't deserve. It's a whole other level. Receiving blessings and glory that you don't deserve. And Paul said, my work that was assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ is to preach this grace for us. God delights in mercy and grace. And he gave Paul to preach this one news to everyone. It was great. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Continue in verse 25 to 27. He's still talking to the Ephesians elders. You know, I have this news to preach in 25 to 27. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, he said. For I didn't shrink back from declaring all, all that God wants you to know. So let's stop right there, 25 to 27. Let's talk about this. Verse 26 to 27, I must show you from the translation from New King James Version. Okay, this is what it says. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent. So Paul said, hold on, Paul, what are you guilty of? He said, I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Okay, Paul has declared right here that he is innocent of the blood of all men because he has declared what? The whole counsel of God. This is what I want to talk about. The whole counsel of God. Now, I am glad that I am, or we are here in the church, are on the way to be able to say this until we have finished all the counsel of God. What is the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation? 
So we have to be able to study this from Genesis to Revelation. We all have to know the whole counsel of God, not just Matthew all the time, Matthew again, Matthew again, Matthew again, grace again, grace again, grace again, justice again. The whole counsel of God, everything. So let us continue faithfully to preach and to listen to the whole counsel of God. And I'm going to tell you this, some are going to be full of actions. Some are going to be full of sorrow when we talk about, you know, maybe Acts 20, you can judge it yourself, what is it full of? Some are going to be fast when, when I preach it. Some are going to be long. Some are going to be boring. Some are going to be funny. Should we just stick with the funny ones? Oh, yeah, I'm going to come to church whenever Pastor Falim is preaching on the book of John. He's in the book of John. I'm in the book of Acts right now. Oh, I'm just going to go to church if I'm going to, if Bernard's going to talk a book of Acts full of miracles. Oh, I'm not going to fall asleep. No, I'm telling you, when we go to the whole council of God, wait until we go to Leviticus. Wait until we go to Numbers. I'm going to talk about, it. all right, this begot this, this begat this, is this a son of this? I hope not of you fall asleep. But we all have to know, we have got to talk about the whole counsel of God. And Paul said, I am innocent. Okay, so if you still go to hell, so that's kind of like thinking about that, talking about that. So if you still go to hell because you don't know, I never shrank back to tell you all that God wants you to know. So the same thing right here, my job is... One, I need to tell you the whole counsel of God together with the team. Okay? So don't easily judge your church. My church is so boring. Man, it's been months and months. We're in numbers. <laughs> it's been months. We're in Leviticus. I don't know. understand. I, I know. <laughs> Just don't easily judge your church. We got to be faithful church. Okay? Just aim for that. We got to be the faithful church. Let's continue to verse 28 to 32. So after that, he said, I have been talking about all the counsel of God. Now he says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherds God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. 30. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out, he says. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God, the message of His grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those He has set apart for Himself. Amazing, huh? Paul has already warned the elders, the leaders of the Ephesians church, but we know today the Ephesians church are no more. I don't know what happened to these leaders, but Paul has done his job. He has been counted as a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. You know? And we need to watch out, Paul says. We need to practice. Now, now here for us, we need to practice to have our voices heard. Okay? What happened? Because there will be wolves coming in among us. I don't know when. I don't know if, if they were already here, come trying to, you know, break us apart and things like that. But we, as a church, we need to practice to have our voices heard. Because when the wolves come in among us, we know. So we need to pray for the spirit of discernment to God. Jesus, so then you, can able, uh, you are able to discern which one is right, which one is wrong, which one is biblical, which one is not. 
Okay, even to me, sometimes I will probably make mistakes. You have, you can practice your voice and come to me and say, Bernard, I think the context wasn't, wasn't too right about this. You know, I will listen, you know. So practice to have your voice heard. And not only that, Paul says, but from within the church will arise too that they will say perverse things in order to divide the church, in order to get a following. Okay, so help one another. I pray that there will be no division between us. You know, because there will be, Paul says, some people who is in the church will do these things and just cause divisions. When we stay strong, we love one another, and we love God, we are going to be good. So Paul commanded the Ephesians elders to take care of the church, and he finally surrendered these leaders to God. God, I have instructed them. I will surrender them to you. Verse 33 to 35, we're almost at the end. 33 to 35. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes, he says. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. 35. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So after he instructed to be careful, to guard the sheep, to guard the, you know, uh, be careful of the false teaching, but you also not to be lazy. You also not to be comfortable, but work hard. Paul says, you know by my hands I have supplied my own needs and even those who needs under my leadership. leadership. So not to be lazy and not to burden the church with your basic needs. And he told them what? Not just that, but to be generous. Because he said what? It is better to give than to receive. The very last one. Can I invite the music team to come forward, please? Verse 36 to 38. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. You know, this is an emotional moment. Okay? They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that he, they would never see him again. This was his final encounter with the church of Ephesus. Then they escorted him down to the ship. After Paul had finished speaking, you know, Paul did not forget to what? You know, some of us, maybe after we, uh, we have done min uh, our ministry, sometimes we forget to surrender to God, back, back back to him, to his will. He did not forget to surrender to God. You know, he knelt and prayed together with the leaders of Ephesus and he surrendered them to God. And he always knew that God's will is the best. That's why he surrendered to God. An emotional moment, you know, they, they, uh, in some of the tr uh, translation, it says that they cried in Paul's shoulders. You know, maybe they hugged and they cried because I want you to picture this moment. You know, Paul was with them for three years you know, and now uh, they, they met together, just the leaders in Miletus. You know, he instructed them again, you know, and, and miracles uh, uh, happens after uh, uh, day in and day out. They can see it, you know, and they have to part. This is the last time they would ever meet Paul. Uh, he knelt down and prayed with them all and surrendered them to God. So that is Paul's journey in Macedonia and in Greece. Okay, after that, we will continue again uh, whenever we, uh, I'm back here to preach for X21. Why don't we stand?
I was joking with Pastor Valim uh, to talk about, dude, uh, this is still okay, you know, full of actions, and you know, sometimes we can laugh uh, a little bit, you know, when talking about this. But how are we going to preach, you know, Numbers or Leviticus or Deuteronomies where it's full of laws? But I've already prepared you, so Pastor Valim, we're good. I've already prepared everyone when we go to Leviticus, Numbers. So whenever you want to go to Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, let's do it. <laughs> so we gotta go through the whole counsel of God, okay? We gotta be faithful. We gotta learn together, okay? As a church, and I believe God will be with us uh, when, when we when we do our part. Let's pray, uh, Father God. We just want to thank you so much for this morning. Uh, thank you for the ministry of Paul or Jesus, faithful servant um, of God. Uh, we just want to be like that, uh, Lord. I mean, our goal is to be like you, Lord Jesus, for sure, um, Lord. And thank you. Paul not just teach the truth, but he lives the truth, Lord Jesus. He lives in righteousness, lives in holiness, and, and under your grace, Lord. Uh, we pray the same prayers, Lord Jesus, uh, so then we don't just teach and know the truth, but we can live the truth, Lord Jesus, live in righteousness, in holiness, and under your grace, Lord Jesus. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for everybody who's watching at home. Lord, make us grow together uh, to continue to study your whole counsel so then we're not going to be easily shaken to the left or to the right, but we know what's, uh, uh, what the truth is. And of course, when we know the truth, we're going to be filled more with love. Lord Jesus, the truth is in us not to condemn people, not to point people to their wrongs or, or things like that, but, but to love them even better. So Lord, we pray for that this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray.